Greetings, and welcome to St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church here in Fredericton, New Brunswick. Leading worship today will be Thomas Good and David Charters. Our musician is Lisa Kitchens, and I am the Reverend Susan Brazier. Please join me in the call to worship. On an ordinary Sunday, we come to worship God. We come trusting God will speak to us. We come hoping God will surprise us. On this day, like every other day, we seek to follow Jesus. We follow believing Jesus will be with us. We follow hoping Jesus will work through us. On this day, we lift our souls to God's Spirit. We open our hearts that the Spirit may fill us. We open our hands that we might be a gift to others. Please pray with me. The little child struggles with fears, O oh God, and the grandfather facing health concerns. The parent who lies awake in the early morning hours, the teenager pressured by peers, the lonely who are prey to con artists, all of us with ordinary aches and pains and worries, each of us is cradled in your love, tender God. Those who work through the night, those who sleep in littered parks, those who are called exceptional, those who are differently gifted, those who are filled with doubt, those who spill over with laughter, the youngest, the oldest, the ordinary, each is called sister or brother by you, Lord Jesus. Those who joyously praise your name, those who seek hope, those walled out by prejudice and hate, babies who cry from hunger, poor, who share their last coin with those in greater need. All the ordinary people around the world are members of your holy family, spirit of hope. Be with us as we worship you today. Amen. Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 to 20. Then God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make yourself an idol, whether in form of anything that is in heaven above 
or that is on the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, punishing children for the iniquity of parents to the third and fourth generation of those who reject me, but showing steadfast love to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, you, your son or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock, or your alien resident in, in your towns. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. Honor your father and your mother, so that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your, the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. If you shall not, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, your male or female slave, or ox, or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. When all the people witness the thunder and lightning, the sound of the trumpet, and the mountain smoking, they were afraid and trembled and stood at a distance and said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us or we will die. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid for God has only come to test you and to put the fear of him upon you so that you do not do sin. Psalm 31. In you, O Lord, I seek refuge. Do not let me ever be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me. You are indeed my rock and my fortress. For your name's sake, lead me and guide me. Take me out of the net that is hidden for me for you are my refuge. You hate those who pay regard to worthless idols, but I trust in the Lord. I will exalt and rejoice in your steadfast love because you have seen my affliction and you have taken heed of my adversaries and have not delivered me unto their hand unto the hand of the enemy you have set my feet in the broad place be gracious to me o lord for i am in distress my eye wastes away from grief my soul and body also I am the scorn of all my adversaries, a horror to my neighbors, an object of dread to my acquaintances. 
Those who see me in the street flee from me. For I hear the whispering of many, terror all around, as they scheme together against me, as they plot to take my life. My times are in your hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies and my persecutors. Do not let me be put to shame, O Lord, for I call on you. Let the wicked be put to shame. Let them go dumbfounded to Sheol. Let the lying lips be stilled that speak insolently against the righteous with pride and contempt. Oh, how abundant is your goodness that you have laid up for those who fear you and accomplished for those who take refuge in you in the sight of everyone. In the shelter of your presence, you hide them from human plots. You hold them safe under your shelter from contentious tongues. Blessed be the Lord, for he has wondrously shown his steadfast love to me when I was beset as a city under siege. Love the Lord, all you, his saints. The Lord preserves the faithful, but abundantly repays the one who acts haughtily. If there was ever a morning that needed a little extra prayer, if there was ever a sermon where I needed you to pray with me, it's this one. So I ask you, please join me in prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In this morning's gospel reading, Jesus is a little tough on his listeners. The story opens with Jesus healing people and driving out evil spirits, and the people are amazed. But... One of the religious leaders, a Pharisee, suggests that Jesus' power comes from Satan. The Pharisee calls Jesus Beelzebul, which translates Baal, means Lord, and Zebul means flies. The Pharisee calls Jesus the Lord of the flies, the ruler of the demons. Jesus has many things to say in answer to this accusation, including the often famous quote, a house divided will not stand. So we pick up his response starting at verse 31 of the 12th chapter of Matthew's gospel. Listen now for the word of God. Therefore I tell you, people will be forgiven for every sin and blasphemy but blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. 
either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good things when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart of the mouth speaks. The good person brings good things out of good treasure, and the evil person brings evil things out of evil treasure. I tell you, on the day of judgment, you will have to give account for every careless word you utter, for by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. This is a word of God for the people of God. There is no two ways about it. This is a difficult passage. And I am not certain that with my freshly printed Master of Divinity degree and nine months of ordained ministry under my belt, that I am really prepared to step into preaching on Jesus's commentary on the unforgivable sin. What does it mean to blaspheme against the Holy Spirit? There are many, many, many people who fear that this passage may have something to do with foul language like letting a GD fly when you drop a liter of milk and watch it splatter all over the floor, or, or you whack your leg into the coffee table. But I am pretty certain that such conduct is definitely not the unforgivable sin. In fact, for a whole host of reasons, I really don't think God cares at all about our potty mouse. Words in one culture can be deemed vulgar and coarse, and in another, totally acceptable even for the most modest amongst us to use. Working as a trial attorney for decades, I fell in step with my fellow lawyers and I could and would curse a blue streak. Once for Lent, I attempted to give up swearing. I didn't even make it 40 minutes. It took three years of seminary to reform my vocabulary into something that was even marginally acceptable for polite society. And God still called me. And I'm pretty certain that I am forgiven for my lifetime of coarse language. So what does it mean to blaspheme against the Holy Spirit? Most preachers, and, and quite honestly, most commentaries, just skip over this section altogether because tied up in this section is a concept of evil. And talking about evil, Satan, the devil, well, it just makes us all very uncomfortable. But ignoring these difficult texts does not make them go away, just as ignoring evil does not make it go away either. Many of us here are privileged to live good and honorable lives free from insidious corruption, violence, or abuse. We are able to deny the existence of evil or, or pretend that evil occurs somewhere else to other unknown people, that it is not here and it is not us. So when stories leak out of the headlines, such as the ones about the horrors of the residential schools, often we are challenged and conflicted. Many theologians interpret the unforgivable sin as attributing Jesus's teachings and works to the devil. When the Pharisee accuses Jesus of being Beelzebul, 
the Lord of the demons, he does more than just insult God incarnate. He stokes fear, causing exactly the people who need God's healing the most to, to hold back from seeking that which could restore them and make them whole. He creates fear that they cannot trust God. I believe that in taking that which is holy and rendering it tainted is the unforgivable sin. We see exactly this contained in the third commandment. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses his name. Making wrongful use of the name of God. Taking God's holy words to perpetrate evil is a step too far. Stealing, murdering, lying are all prohibited, but are forgivable unless one uses God's holy words as a means to furthering that evil. Evil lurks. We might want to ignore that reality, but it does. And the favorite trick of evil is to dress up in God's holy word so it can go forth to create doubt and fear and undermine the holy kingdom. But friends, we are not without tools to determine the truth. In the Garden of Eden, God planted the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Yep, all the way back there in Genesis chapter 2, verse 9. If humanity wants to eat from the tree in the beginning of our history, it is back to this tree that Jesus sends us in this morning's gospel lesson. Jesus teaches, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. For the tree is known by its fruit. So when evil cast out, keep focused on what the fruit what fruit it produces. Jesus heals the demoniac in the beginning of our story and sets this man free. He produces good fruit. Now, often there can be doubt. That's the reason why it works. And sometimes something that seems horrible is actually for a greater good. For example, we have a medical procedure that involves pain and suffering but ultimately will create some, a condition of healing and health. The question always to ask is what fruit this conduct produces? Does it lead to works of the flesh or does it lead to fruit of the spirit? In his letter to the Galatians, Apostle Paul listed the works of the flesh as follows. Now the works of the flesh are obvious. Fornication, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissension, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. Paul goes on to say, I am warning you, as I have warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. By contrast, Paul says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, generosity, kindness, faithfulness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. If we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit, Paul writes. 
So this morning we wake up to the stories of the residential schools. When the Presbyterian Church in Canada first issues its statement acknowledging its part in the residential schools back in 1994, the understood horror was taking children away from their parents and families and depriving them of their language and culture. And the people who did this were misguided and somehow thought what they were doing was useful. They were ignorant. When you know better, do better. But lurking among those church workers were individuals who were insidious. Over the past two months, allegations only whispered about before are now documented. Allegations of rape and murder of children, actions that are simply sadistic and drip with evil, dressed as nuns and priests and ministers and missionaries, evil was unleashed. The residential schools are certainly not the only place God's holy name has been taken in vain, corrupted to do evil's bidding. In fact, it was my work as a trial attorney that first gave me this insight to what Jesus might have been talking about when he prohibits blaspheming against the Holy Spirit. Had these atrocities been done in the name of some governmental or civic or secular group, they still would have all been unspeakable. But these actions were done in the name of God Almighty. Evil dressed up in sheep's clothing to slaughter innocents. It ripples through the church and rips at the very fabric of God's holy order. In an era where people are desperately hungry to nourish their souls, and please remember, we are spiritual creatures. These horrific actions send people fleeing from any association with the church. They look to self-help books and yoga classes when their very creator is dying, literally dying, Jesus went to the cross just to be in relationship with us and to feed and nourish our souls and to bring them peace. God's holy kingdom is undone by this evil. Yet Satan does not win. God's goodness prevails because of those of us gathered here know the truth and see evil for what it is. For all of us, this evil of the residential schools also breaks God's heart. God will not let it slip away until justice has been rendered. Sadly, we inherited a society that we did not create, but we are left to clean up. It seems so massive. How much easier it would be just to walk away with the familiar attitude that I didn't make this mess and I'm not responsible for cleaning it up. Ah. But the truth is that we, as Christians, are responsible, and we don't get the luxury of just walking away. So the question becomes, how do we do that? And in truth, I'm not really certain. I do know that we start by listening with the intent to learn. In listening, really listening to others' pain, we can help carry that grief in a way that is cathartic and healing. God calls all of us to bear each other's pain and to bear witness to the truth. Every week, I send you out of here with a command to go out into the world in peace, to have courage, 
This charge is derived from the Apostle Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians. And I think somewhere in these ancient words might be our guidance of how we go forward. Now remember, St. Francis of Assisi said, to preach the gospel always and when necessary to use words. Or expressed differently, we need to let our actions speak first. So, today I will bid you again to go out into the world in peace, to be courageous, to stand up for what is right. I am asking you to cling to your sense of ethics and don't let evil tell you to compromise on what you know to be honorable. Don't encourage the tit for tat just because someone offended or hurt you. Don't return the evil. Be a grown-up. Address the problem honestly and openly. We are called to strengthen the faint-hearted, support the weak, and help the suffering. Encourage each other in your faith walks. You're also called to honor all people, people in your family and people who are different from you. Remember, each person is made in God's image and each person is a vessel animated by the very breath of God. Each person is sacred, even if that person is an idiot. They are still beloved by God. All God asks of us is to be ethical and honorable towards other people, and, and you can all manage that, even if it might be your little sister or your big brother. We are called on to love and serve the Lord, rejoicing in the Holy Spirit. Just remember, God, our God, is a God of joy. God is with us, and we worship a God of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Let this be the fruit we bear as we go about undermining evil and as we build up the kingdom of God. Amen.
please join me in the prayers of the people. Blessed are you, O God, for all your goodness to us. In Christ, we meet your love and wisdom face to face. Through the Holy Spirit, we recognize the abilities and opportunities you create in us and for us to reach out to the world you love. We thank you for all the ways friends and families, neighbors and strangers reach out to us and to others, offering support and kindness, speaking up when we must confront wrongdoing, celebrating when achievements bless us all with healing and happiness. Today, we pray for the courageous leaders in cities, countries, and congregations who strive to preserve the integrity and honesty in the world prone to self-interest. We pray for those who struggle to create justice where it has been compromised and to build reconciliation and understanding in divided communities. We remember before you quiet and reliable leaders who keep their word and meet their deadlines so that we can depend on them in these unsettling times. We pray for patient church members and community volunteers who work diligently towards long-term goals that will improve our life together. And we pray for the creative, impatient change makers who keep challenging us to be bolder and more determined in righting wrongs and trying new strategies. We pray for the troubled in mind or spirit, for the angry and unhappy, and for those who feel that every day is a struggle. Soothe their concerns and open their hearts to claim the hope and help you offer. We remember before you the sick and the dying and the bereaved who must try to put their lives back together again. We pray for those who are recovering from the pandemic, looking for a better health, a fresh start, more stability, or a glimpse of hope. Draw close to all those who suffer, offering your comfort and courage to face whatever comes next. Receive our unspoken prayers that we now lift to you. Embrace us all in your love. Give us hearts to understand not only what you do on our behalf, but also what you call on us to do for your behalf. For we are friends and followers of Jesus who taught us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And now, go out into the world in peace. Have courage. Hold on to that which is good. Return no one evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted, support the weak, help the suffering, honor all people, love and serve the Lord, rejoicing in the Holy Spirit. And now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. <laughs>